really is uh, essential, I think, to live the Christian life uh, with joy and uh, to live the Christian life in hope. I don't want to use the word successfully, but uh, to live the Christian life successfully in obedience. Uh, I think that is something that we have to take to heart and live by it. Uh, and all of you know what it is. As for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the just shall live by faith. And the context of that is absolutely essential to grasp, that it is in the midst of the storms of life, in the midst of difficulties uh, that uh, we face in a fallen world, the challenges that we face as believers, uh, these things are um, must be met uh, by faith, and uh, without that, we will not, I dare say, we will not be successful in our walk as believers. Um, I'm going to read different uh, from different places tonight, though we will be looking primarily at the last three verses of Habakkuk. I want to read some from chapter 1 and chapter 2 and then also from chapter 3. So please stand for the reading of God's Word this evening. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, How long, O Lord, shall I cry for help and you not hear? I cry to you of violence and you will not save Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. That sounds very familiar to what we are seeing transpire in our own nation this day. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And then God's response, look among the nations and see wonder and be astonished, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the earth and seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and dignity go before themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour, for they come for violence. All their faces forward, they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. They pile up earth and take it. Uh, Then they sweep by like wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. And then the response of the the prophet, as this is a dialogue that takes place, and the way this is written by Habakkuk, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die? And you see what's happening here. Uh, The prophet is pleading and looking to the promises of God. That he has promised to be their God. He's promised to be their God forever. He's promised not to abandon them. He's promised uh, that they would inherit blessings that are not simply to be enjoyed in this life, but also in the life to come. And so he looks at that now and gets uh, encouragement from that. Uh, you, O Lord, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you've ordained them as judgment And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. And so here, recognition of God bringing judgment, but not annihilation. 
God bringing reproof, uh, but not destruction that would be total among the people of God. And then again, the question, why do you look idly at the traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow men more righteous than he? So here's the perplexity. How can you use the Chaldeans who are pagan through and through? You said yourself that their God is power. How can you use them to chastise us? Are we not your people? Are we not the covenant people of God? And so the dialogue continues on, and Habakkuk gets ready to answer God. And in verse two of chapter, verse one of chapter two, I will take my stand, my watch post, and station myself on the tower to look out to see what He will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And here He's ready to respond to God. He's arguing biblically. Uh, he knows the Bible. Uh, he knows God's promise. He's familiar with the law. He's familiar with the prophets. And he is ready to answer back to God when God answers him. And here he says this, And the God answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits his appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live. By faith, there is no answer to this. Coming from God, there's no response Packet can make to this. And what God is saying basically to him is, trust me. Trust me to know what I'm doing, to keep my promises, uh, to be faithful to uh, what I have said. So trust me in this. Then back over to chapter 3. And this prayer of Habakkuk, uh, the prophet's. And beginning uh, in verse 18 to the end, uh, I heard and my body trembles, my lips quivered at the sound, rottenness entered into my bones, my legs trembled beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. And what we read in verse 16 is a response to the vision that he sees here. Uh, it is overwhelming to him. And it is basically what he has seen is the end and uh, the uh, destruction of the temple, the end of the temple as it is, and uh, the taking away of God's people into captivity, all of these things going to, that are going to be coming upon them. And then uh, he, his response of faith, that the fig trees should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines. The potus of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the foes, and there is no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes me my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with the stringed instruments. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Please be seated. <clears throat> Please go and uh, to prayer for me as I preach this text. And... Um, Pray for yourselves as well that God would bring this afresh upon us this evening. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, God of all creation, you, O Lord, who have hung the earth in space and uphold all things by the power of your word, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God. We come this evening uh, in prayer asking for your help and asking for your grace that these verses, O Lord, that we perhaps have heard time and again would fresh fall upon us and that we may learn afresh and again anew from these texts 
that we might be encouraged in our lives, that we may be bolstered in our faith, that we may live, O God, before you faithfully. Be with me as I preach and be with the congregation as they hear, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All of you know that it is easy to live faithfully to God when things are going well. We feel like we are under his blessings. We are getting the things that we want. We don't really see any severe challenges. And so we're going to skipping through life joyfully and enjoying the things that God has given to us. So we can sing the doxology and mean it. And we can sing the Gloria Patri and it falls off of our lips with great fervor because life's so sweet. But when things are not going so well, when things are difficult to a degree that we never thought and we never imagined would happen, it's quite challenging, is it not? When uh, you have situations at home that are heartbreaking and you perhaps have children that are very rebellious and not converted, you have children whose marriages are being uh, challenged, uh, your own marriage perhaps being challenged, and then uh, dealing with uh, personal illnesses, things such as that. When those things uh, come into our lives, uh, we may begin to be like the prophet and ask, why? Nothing wrong with asking why if it's done in an appropriate fashion as if to learn. But it's very inappropriate to ask why and so as to challenge God and his providence. We are told in the scriptures, Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. It doesn't say when things are pleasant. It doesn't say when we are in worship on the Lord's day and we go through the motions and we sing the psalms and we sing the hymns and we, we raise our voices together singing the doxology. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And so that here we learn that thanksgiving and that rejoicing before the Lord is something and that is to be constant. It is to be always that we rejoice in the Lord. We also learn that it is unconditional, that there should be no circumstances in our life that would ever come in, in such a way that uh, we simply cannot rejoice in the Lord. We can't find it within ourselves to do so. And there are people that have lived the Christian life and... Uh, uh, they go along quite well, and something comes that is uh, very challenging to them. And they find themselves in a state of mind that really question God's wisdom, God's kindness, and God's goodness. As I said here this evening, we have seen that uh, God's people are ignoring his precepts in the days of Habakkuk. Uh, there is violence, uh, there is contention, the law of God is ignored, the wicked rule in the land. And there's no love for the law, there's no respect for others. The conditions that Habakkuk is facing are completely contrary to what a nation that is characterized by a relationship with the holy God uh, should be like. 
There's nothing like that happening, and it, it bothers the prophet that he sees this. And as he lives his life, and as he's looking at what's going on, uh, he doesn't understand why God doesn't act. You know, this is the theme of the book. He sits idly back and does nothing, and the prophet's perplexed. Why don't you act? Why don't you do something? And then he's given the response, as you know, in verse uh, 5, as God begins his response, and that is not at all what Habakkuk had in mind. Is Israel not God's covenant people? Are they not members of the family of the Holy One of Israel? And we find ourselves today as we live our lives that we sometimes think that we should not be going through this. I'm a Christian. Haven't I served you faithfully? Haven't I been faithful in my attendance? Haven't I been faithful in my repentance? Haven't I been faithful to witness for you? And why is it that you brought me in to such a thing as this? It might be that we get into that mind of set as we live our lives dealing with things that are quite challenging to us as Christians. Well, it is that gratitude to our God is challenged. When we face difficult times. And how is it then that the prophet here, who, and don't, uh, 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 keep in mind the, the historical significance of what's happening with Habakkuk. He is a prophet of God. He is a faithful prophet of God. He desires repentance on the part of his people. But now God is going to bring destruction upon his people, his chosen people, his covenant people. And it's something that is very perplexing to the prophet. And we deal with things like that. And we have to admit that at times we might find it very challenging to be thankful to God, to be gracious to God. And yet again, we face the scriptures that tell us rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There are verses in the scriptures that should be life verses for us. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The key there is trust. Trust in the Lord completely. And we have to ask ourselves this question. Is our God a God who can be trusted? Is he a God who is loving? Is he a God who is kind? Because we face situations that seem that's not the case at all. And it seems like that he delights in being cruel. Well, that's a blasphemous thought. And it's not true. And we know it's not true. And you remember uh, in, in Packer's book, Knowing God, the chapter on God's wisdom and ours, where he says it seems like at times there is no benign God ruling the universe. And if we are called into a situation to face things like that that seem to deny the loving kindness and goodness of God, how will we respond to it? Will we be like Habakkuk is at the end of this book? Or will we be those who rear up against the Lord and find ourselves challenging God and accusing God of not being kind and loving? We can avoid that. We can move beyond that. Uh, we can, as we remember the character and the nature of our God. And this is very trying, what Habakkuk is going to face. It's not, it's, it's, it's not uh, this, uh, oh, well, praise God anyway kind of thing. You've ever heard that from somebody's lips, so praise God anyway, which means I despise what he's doing. 
I really despise it, but I'll praise him anyway, which is not sincere at all. Notice the prophet's response as God reveals to him what's going to happen. I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me, yet I quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who will invade us. Now here it can be translated one of two ways. One way is the prophet saying that he knows God is faithful and the people that are going to invade them, they will pay. And they did, remember. Babylon paid for what they did. And you remember the king who was on the throne after Nebuchadnezzar. This is the Persian Empire. I think it was when the Persians took over. It may have been the, he may have been the last ruler after Nebuchadnezzar. But you remember what they did. They went into the chambers, the temple, uh, the, the treasury, and brought out the cups and the vessels from the temple of Israel. And they were drinking them, and they were making sacrifices to the gods of gold and the gods of silver. And you remember what happened, that the hand appeared on the wall. Many, many tackled you, parson. It terrified the king. And there was old Daniel. They brought out of the closet, so to speak, dusted off his cobwebs, dressed him up, and brought him before the king. What's this mean? Would you mind telling me what this is? The strange, bizarre thing that's happened. Remember the translation. You've been weighed in the balance. You've been found lacking. And tonight, you're going to pay with your life. See, here was an individual that had no regard for God whatsoever. And here, maybe the prophet is looking forward to when he knows that those people who have come against them are going to pay the price. But he, as he responds to this, is struggling. Listen to how he describes it again. My heart pounds, lips quiver. I have no strength in my bones to hold me up. Uh, I am quite afraid. Andy Edwards, many of you all know Andy. And some of you may remember Hurricane Camille. His grandmother lived in Gulfport. She lived two row, two streets from the beach. She stayed in her house during Camille. That hurricane moved a grand piano from the front of her house to the back of her house. She stayed there. And she lived two or three months after that event. If you've ever been through a hurricane, we have here. The howling of the wind is incessant. And there she was, unable to escape. She couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't do anything. Habakkuk's like that. He can't do anything. He can't go anywhere. He knows this is coming. He can't change it. And what he does is wait, as Andy's grandmother was waiting for the sunrise to come. I lived through, I was at, I was in Camille. Uh, we had wind gusts in Hattiesburg of 160 miles an hour. Wind gusts in, in Gulfport, 210 miles an hour. It's a very horrific storm. And can you imagine being trapped in that? Why she left, I don't know. And I've, I've talked to Andy about that several times and just find it amazing uh, that she stayed. Well, Habakkuk is trapped, if you will. He can't change what's going to happen. 
So what is left to do when we face things that are challenging, when in the midst of things that are difficult for us, what is it that we can do? Well, he explains it here in these last verses. That the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fell in the fields, yield no food. The flock be cut off from the herd, there be no, cut off from the fold, there be no herd in the stalls. So what he's doing here is describing the loss of the luxurious things, the loss of the wine and the caviar, if you will. The fig, the fig tree not blossom. Though the, uh, the wine and the fruit on the vines be gone, the olive fell. These are the nice, luxurious things that they had. Then he goes on to the necessities. Though there be no flock in the fold, no herd in the stalls. In other words, they've, he's uh, recognizing the loss of all things that they need to, to live. The loss of the fine things, the loss of the everyday things, the loss of things that are essential for them to live. And yet, what does the prophet say? Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Do you see that? It is the character of God that is at the center of his joy and his comfort. Because God does not change. He does not go from being a God who is loving and kind and gracious to a God who is an org, a God who is cruel, and a God who is unfaithful in the midst of trials. The prophet comes to recognize that. He knows things are coming. He knows you can't change any of those things that are coming. And it's, it's a struggle for him. But then he puts on the spectacles of faith. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And you hear that phrase, salvation. The prophet is taken from the situations that we face here in this world to the world that is to come. There is this. There is no comfort to be had, no joy to be had, if the only thing that we enjoy and participate in that's pleasurable is this life. If there's nothing else to come, if there's no life after this life, if there's no heaven, where is joy to be found? Where is comfort to be had? Where is encouragement to be had? If this is all there is, the prophet here goes beyond the circumstances to the great provider, God, who is his Savior. God, who is the source of his salvation and strength. As the man who is in the hospital bed, breathing his last, who is a Christian, can do so with confidence and hope. There he goes, looking forward to the place that is soon to be his home forever. Well, the prophet here looks forward to God, looks at God, remembering that he is above circumstances and the blessings that he has for his people cannot be taken away by the worst of challenges that we face in his life. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15? If Christ is not raised, then we of all people are to be pitied. Because, you see, we're still in our sin. 
We're still under a curse, and our future looks rather bleak. But he says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. That is the God of Habakkuk. The God of salvation. And notice what he is able to do here as he reflects upon this great God who is the God of his salvation. He says this, the God, the God, the Lord is my strength. He is my strength. As I know that he will never leave me, I know that he will never forsake me, and I know come what may in this life, his promises are yea and amen. He Makes my feet like the deer's feet. He makes me to tread on high places. Nothing's changed. The circumstances have not altered. He hasn't gotten some kind of special vision that, well, now you see, God's changed his mind. And the Chaldeans aren't going to come and they're not going to take away our children. They're not going to destroy uh, the temple. They're not going to do any of those things. And so now you see, I can rejoice. Now, you see, I can be happy. Now I can sing praises to the Lord because he is not going to bring to pass what he said he was going to bring to pass. That's not happened. That's not happened at all. What has happened is he has focused now upon the character and the goodness of God. And he basically says this, whatever comes, I can face it with God's help. Whatever I face, God will be with me, and God will help me. And so we have that promise in the New Testament where Jesus said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. God is the God of life. He is the God of our salvation, and quite frankly, but the prophets in the Old Testament do not have the light of revelation that we have. David could still say in Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was the promise and the hope of eternal life in the Old Testament. And that is exactly what Habakkuk is thinking about at this point. I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. God is the Lord my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me to tread on high places. Though I dwell in the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. The days to come... Or rather uncertain, there's talk of nuclear war. You can't do a thing about it. It's not a question of if somebody's going to blow one up. It's a question of when, in my opinion. Not a question of if, a question of when. And more and more people are coming in ownership of these things. People who have them, there's no fear of God. There's no fear of destruction. How do we live our lives with that threat before us? We recognize that God is sovereign. And we recognize that if that happens, God will come to a point and say, here and no further. Here and no further. And we also recognize that's a quick way to go. And we go from this life to the next. We trust in Christ. We trust in God. Now, do I pray that happens? Do I want to see it happen? No, I do not. But given the depravity of people who are in power, 
in so many places throughout the world. It's a scary thing. It's a dangerous thing. But our God rules. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Christ. We are victorious in Jesus. Habakkuk knew that. And so we don't need to be afraid. What does Jesus say? Don't fear man. What can they do to you except kill the body? Rather, fear the one who has the power to throw body and soul into hell. The Lord God is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's feet. He makes me dwell on high places. And the only way that we can live like Habakkuk is by trusting God. As for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Old Testament prophet. We thank you, O God, for these things being recorded for us and the devastation that did come upon your people of old because of their own sin, because of their own rebellion. And yet, Lord, you had your remnant of faithful people. And those who went away into captivity, you had faithful people there, men like Daniel and his friends, who still carried forth the banner of Christ, who carried forth the banner of their great God and the gospel. And uh, we know in time they did again enter into the land. And the fulfillment that was connected to that land came to pass with the birth of Jesus Christ. Our God, help us to live our lives in trust and faith. And knowing, oh God, your strength that comes to us in times of difficulty. Lord, help us to grow in grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. What's our last hymn, Scott?